Well, good morning, everyone. I want to mention one brief thing uh, from our gospel before we move ahead. That passage today in our gospel sentence can be a source of frustration for a lot of Christians. Because Jesus says, uh, ask and you will receive, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open to you. And so many of us have had the experience of asking for really good things and feeling like God didn't answer. And so what's, what's happening? Did Jesus, right, was he just kind of off? Was he like, gotcha, <laughs> just kidding? <laughs> of course not. We have to read Scripture in context. And, and Jesus, through this passage, is building up. And what he's building towards is that what we're supposed to ask for matters. And the point is not that God will answer every one of our requests. The point is that if we're persistent in asking, God will give us the Holy Spirit. We oftentimes don't know what's best to ask for. If we knew the best possible thing God could give us, more than life or health, or happiness, or friendships, or anything, what's more important than any of that is the Holy Spirit. You can't live the Christian life without the Holy Spirit. You can't actually love your enemies, forgive them. You can't love God without the Spirit inside of you. And so that's what that passage is really about. Okay, moving on. We good? Okay. I I don't know why I asked that. It's probably because I'm like insecure, but whatever. There are some really tough audiences out there. If you ever are a speaker, if you ever teach, you know that there's some audiences that are more difficult than others. And about the most difficult group of people on the planet to speak to are priests, uh, depending on the subject, but pretty much any subject, actually. And I, I, a while back, I feel really bad. There was someone I was asked to, to basically kind of interview. And this poor guy uh, teaches scripture, and he had to talk to me about that. And I was just like, I'm very critical in that area. It's my heart and soul. I know scripture well. I've studied it hard for 15 years. And so I'm a tough audience. And this, this guy, he, um, he teaches scripture. And he said, you know, it's a joy for me to be able to teach scripture. And he said, one of the great things about that is I get the privilege, I get to teach people what the mission of Jesus Christ was all about. And I was getting kind of ornery, and I was a little frustrated with him because of some of his earlier answers. And so I said, okay, well, that's interesting. And I said, well, what would you say the mission of Jesus Christ was? Like, what do you teach people? When, they, when you teach them that, that is awesome, but what would you say the mission was? And he froze. Now, it might have been because I was being a jerk and I'm intimidating. I don't know. But he kind of froze, and he tried to gather his thoughts, and he looked at me, and he said, well, you know, Jesus, uh, he loved the poor. I was like, yeah, that's true. He hung out with women. Also true. Uh, he's like, yeah, and he, he, like, helped us to, like, learn to, like, love each other. Also true. And he stopped that was it. And he was super happy with his answer. 
and I judged him in my heart. I was like, anything you want to add to that? Like, and here's the point this morning, brothers and sisters, all those things are good, and Jesus did all of them, and all of them were actually important. Right? Jesus actually treated women with a dignity that wasn't common in his time. Jesus did love the poor, and so should we. He did teach us how to love each other. But if you can explain to someone that that's the mission of Jesus Christ, you missed the main point. And what I want to talk about today is our second reading. Brothers and sisters, right now, so oftentimes, what I want you to think about today, in our country and in human life in general, it's so important how we frame both problems and solutions. And we're in the middle of this kind of ramp up for the November elections. And everybody's got an opinion about everything. And people think, you know, if we just had this system in place, then our country would be happy again. If we just had this policy, if our economy was what it should be, if our social programs were what they should be, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All of that is good and fine. But that's not the Christian answer. The Christian answer, what we understand, if you said, what's wrong with the world? Is it just corrupt institutions? Is it politicians who maybe think different or or the wrong way about things? A lot of people think that's it. That's the problem with the world is if we had people who, you know, had the right kind of view on things, things would be set the way they should be. But Christianity says something there's something much greater. There's something beyond that. All those things are fine. Brothers and sisters, the problem with the world is sin. That's the problem. And if we had a perfect president, good luck with that, by the way. If we had a perfect president and a perfect vice president and cabinet and Congress and everyone was perfect, at least in policies and their decisions, It doesn't fix the problem. Christianity says the problem is that sin which corrupts the human heart. And so that means our hope can't be just an efficient, well-running government or groups or even a well-run kind of parish. There's something bigger. The real problem with the world could only be solved through the death of Jesus Christ. That was the solution. And here's what I want you to to hear again today. Our second reading is one of my favorite readings in the entire scripture. It's so powerful. I know I say that, but I really mean it this time. I say it all the time, but I really mean it today. Colossians chapter 2. Listen to this again. Paul says that we were dead And God made us alive together with Christ, having forgiven all of our trespasses, having canceled the bond which stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. There's a bond. The the word in Greek is hergraphon. It's complex. But it just, there was a bond, there was almost like a register of your condemnation. 
You were condemned because of your sin. And Jesus Christ, this is what the guy who is a teacher of scripture didn't even mention. Jesus took your condemnation and he nailed it to the cross. That's powerful. And if we forget that spiritual aspect, we miss Christianity. A lot of Christians do that today. They think Jesus came to teach us to do nice things. Nice things are good. But Hindus do good things, Buddhists do good things, atheists do good things. Human beings before Christ knew how to do good things. Jesus came to redeem us from our condemnation under sin. I told the last Mass, so whoever, somebody, I don't know who it is, somebody gets to decide with our readings at Mass where they kind of stop and where they end. And if I meet that guy, I told him in heaven, I'm going to like deck that guy. Um, but then I was like thinking, I'm like, well, God probably won't allow us to punch each other in heaven. So maybe in purgatory. If I catch him in purgatory, I'm going to beat him down and God will like send me down a level. Be like, 10 more years, Larkin. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> but it just drives me nuts. This morning in Colossians 2, he cut off the reading right before the most important thought Paul has. And we don't pick it up again. It doesn't happen next week. He just cut it off. This is why you should always read scripture in your home. Read the context. He didn't even cut it off at the paragraph line, just mid-paragraph. He's like, okay, done. So that guy's got a beating coming his way. But here's what Paul, here's how he finishes. He says that in the cross, God disarmed the principalities and powers. Principalities and powers, who are they? If you read that, normally you might be tempted to think, well, that's some kind of royal ruler. And that's half right. Principalities and powers are titles for classes of angels. But these are fallen angels. If you want a good place to read about that, read Ephesians chapter 6, the very last chapter of Ephesians. In Ephesians 6, Paul tells us, he says, our battle you got to get your enemy right. Your enemy is not atheists. Your enemy is not agnostics. Your enemy is not a different political party. Paul says, our enemy is not flesh and blood. It is the principalities and powers and the hosts of spiritual wickedness. You see, Jesus didn't just come to do something human. We were enslaved to sin and to demonic forces. And so again, the line we missed, he disarmed the principalities and powers. And this is one of my favorite lines in all of scripture. He made a public example of them, triumphing over them in Christ. You see, brothers and sisters, Jesus didn't just forgive you something on the cross. He publicly humiliated the demons. That's what he did. And the word Paul uses is a really technical word. I, I say that all the time, but he does. 
Triambe Ewing, to triumph. What that means, the only time, that word is only used for one thing in ancient Greek. It's when a conquering general came back to Rome, there would be a parade in his honor. And Paul says that's what the cross was. Christ is a victorious general who conquered our enemies on the cross. And ones that were too big for us, by the way, that you and I could never conquer, no matter how good you are, You couldn't do it. So there's this parade. Jesus is the victorious general. And what they would do in that parade is the conquering general would take the uh, enemy soldiers, he'd take the strongest of the enemy soldiers, and he'd bind them in chains and march them through Rome to publicly humiliate them. That's... That is what happened on the cross. Because our demons, right, the way they ensnare us, how do our demons ensnare us? They, they convince us that life is about comfort and pleasure and power and prestige. And in the humiliation of God's son, in his love on the cross for you, they were revealed for the liars that they are. And when you look at the cross, you know that's not what life's about. You know that the health and wealth gospel that certain people preach is a lie. In the love of Christ, Jesus publicly captured, defeated, and humiliated the demons that torment you and I. beautiful. That's how much you are loved. It reminded me when I was, sorry, I get so emotional. It didn't happen last mass. I don't know why. Hormones, I guess. Puberty's rough. Um, but it reminded me of like, when I was a kid, I remember this one moment, like, my brother and I, my older brother, Sean, he and I fought, like, every single day of our childhood, every day. My poor mother, she, and she always said, she's like, you guys are going to be, like, best friends when you grow up, and it actually happened. It's amazing. Um, but when Sean and I were growing up, we did not get along, but I always remember this. One day, we were on the bus, and I was just a little kid, and a bigger kid who was, like, you know, I was, like, in, like, second grade, and this was, like, a sixth grader or something, sat down next to me on the bus and started picking on me. And hard to believe, right? But I was an emotional child, right? Wow, big surprise. And so I was like super upset. And I think I was crying. And I didn't know what was happening, but the bus started slowing down because the bus driver saw something. And it was because my brother, and he was in the same class as this kid, marched up the aisle and he decked him. That was awesome. (laughs) It really was. And it reminded me of that because here's the thing, that bigger kid was too big of a problem for me. I couldn't deal with it. But I have a brother who loves me. As much as he, he's like, you know, no one picks on my brother except me. You know, that was kind of his attitude. And Sean stood up for me. We have a brother in Christ, right? You have demons in your life that are too big for you. 
That's what the cross is. And so most homilies, they always tell the priest, give a good practical way to live that out. That's not going to happen this morning. Because I think even more important, brothers and sisters, you just have to know you're loved. You have to know what Christ did on the cross for you. And that his victory was not by the skin of the teeth. It was not a a just barely we made it through kind of thing. Rejoice today. Rejoice. Sunday is the day of your redemption. Your redemption through Christ was overwhelming. It was on display for the entire universe. And God's love for you publicly humiliated our enemies. 